Several years ago, I cut this out of a book. This was a pastor of a big church in California who took a, it had a diary, and these are things he dealt with in a 36-hour period. It's pretty phenomenal. In 36 hours, a day and a half, a mother and dad committed their teenage daughter to a local psychiatric ward. A relative of a girl in our church took her own life. A 15-year marriage went up in smoke. As the wife walked out, she is now living with another man. A woman in her 20s is plagued with guilt and confusion because of an incestuous relationship with her father years ago. A young woman on a nearby campus was raped and stabbed. A former minister is disillusioned and he has quit his job and may leave the faith. A middle-aged husband and wife cannot communicate without screaming. Separation seems inevitable. A missionary wife who has returned to the States has suffered an emotional breakdown. And then the pastor said, And then I got in my car after a late meeting last night, and it would not start. (laughs) The storms of life. You know, I don't know how familiar you are uh, in Ruston. In In our church family in the last four or five days, we've had... A lot of storms. We've had a lot of things happen, a lot of issues. And in, Ma- in Mark chapter 4 this morning, we're going to look at the storms of life. The storms of life. Tough times and the hard times and the bad times. The first thing I want to say to you today is pretty simple, but it's extremely profound and it's very important. Storms happen. Storms happen in life. Hard times, bad times Bad things, tough things happen in life. In verse 35 through 37 in your Bible or on the screen, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him, Jesus, along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. Let me tell you what was going on here. Jesus had been doing a lot of really good things, but hard things. He was stressed out. He, he was tired at this time. And in Matthew and in Luke, they also tell this story, and they give different, uh, different eyewitness things uh, in each story. In, in Matthew eight eighteen. It says this, it says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. In other words, Jesus was just pressed with people, and he was tired. He had been casting out demons. He had been arguing with religious people. He was just worn out. And he said, man, we need to to take a break. We need to get out of here. And so they get in a boat. Let's look at a map. Brian, we got a map here. They get in a boat. There's a Sea of Galilee here. They're probably near Capernaum. This is Jesus' adopted hometown. Now, this is also called the Lake of Gennesaret. It's, it's called a sea, too. It's not real big. It's about 14 miles long and 6 miles wide at its, its widest point. And they're probably going to go over here. They're going west to east over to this region of the Gadarenes. And while they're... Just leave that up there, Brian, if you would. While they're rowing in this rowboat at night, and they think the nighttime is significant too, a horrible storm comes upon them. This sea was notorious for its storms for several reasons. One, here is the Mediterranean Sea right here. Big, big, big sea, okay? The Sea of Galilee is just 30 to 40 miles east of that, but it's 680 feet below sea level right here. It's a big drop. 
And so what you had happen is you have the cold winds coming off the Mediterranean Sea hitting the Sea of Galilee. It's Again, it's, it, it drops. Now, we have a picture of the Sea of Galilee to show you. Uh, this is the Sea of Galilee. It's surrounded by mountains. And so what happened was this wind comes off the Mediterranean Sea. It's cold wind. It comes whipping in. It gets spinning around those mountains, and it hits that hot, warm weather that's dropped deep down 600 feet below sea level, and you have a colliding of the cold and the, the hot air. Now, in April, if it's 80 degrees one day and it's 40 degrees the next day, you need to be in a storm cellar that night probably. That is, that, that is a recipe for disaster. And that's exactly what happened then. It would happen often then on that sea. It was notorious for it. Warren Wiersbe, who's a Bible scholar and preacher, was over in Israel not long ago, and he asked a guy, he said, do these kind of storms still happen? They said, absolutely, they, they happen frequently. Bad storms, tornadic-type storms on this water. So here they are. They're in this boat. They're in a rowboat. It's night. Now, how many of you, let's be honest, okay, how many of you still have a little fear of the dark? Okay, I see a lot of brave people. Josh, you need to take notes because hardly any of your youth raised their hand. We're going to take them over to the old building, the third floor, and leave them some night. We'll find out. <laughs> Josh is convinced there's ghosts in that building. An old librarian, church librarian, died in 1908, and she's still, her ghost is over there. I'm still a little scared of the dark, and I'm a grown man. <laughs> you know, the, the dark brings out, it just brings out, you, you can't see what's going on. So they're in this rowboat. It's at night. It's dark. And a horrible, horrible storm uh, just, man, out of nowhere blows up on them. And here's something that's very important. Whose idea was it? for them to get in the boat to go to the other side. It was Jesus' idea. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but my guess in here, you're like me. A lot of the times you end up in a storm because you did something dumb, right? (laughs) You did something dumb. You did something sinful or wrong, and so then you end up in a figurative uh, tornado, and it's your own fault. They're right in the middle of God's will. You see, you can be doing everything God wants you to, living for God, and find yourself right in the middle of some tough, tough, and difficult times. Now, in Matthew eight twenty four, he tells us something else interesting. He says, without warning, a storm come up. Now, like I mentioned earlier, storms could just appear out of nowhere on this lake. And they didn't have Doppler radar. You know, this spring and tornado season, you'll be watching a show, and they call the Doppler radar from Monroe, Louisiana. There's a tornado headed down your, your street right now. So, you know, if, and what men do is we run outside. We want to see it, don't we? Isn't that funny? I remember a few years ago, there was tornadoes all over the place, and I, half the men in the church, I said, what would you do? Man, I was outside trying to see it. We are so redneck, aren't we? <laughs> Women are, women are trying to save themselves and their lives, and the men are trying to, man, did you see that tornado? My grandma, you know, she was up, it was wild. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have Doppler radar. But you know what? We don't have Doppler radar in life either, do we? Wouldn't it be better, wouldn't it be better today if you go home and there was a warning that came on your TV, and it said, so-and-so, this time next week, you'll be facing major problems. Prepare yourself for it. Or in two hours, you're going to get a phone call. It's going to change your life forever. 
But life, you don't have that, do you? And just so you know that these guys weren't just being cowards and just weren't dreaming this up, in Luke chapter 8, verse 23, it reminds us, as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep, a squall came down, the boat was being swamped, and they were in great, great danger. This was real. Some people love drama, don't they? Some people love storms. Some people create storms so they can say they have a storm, right? That wasn't the case here. And the the guys in this boat were not sissies. Four of them were professional fishermen who lived and grew up on this lake. And they were scared to death that they were fixing to die. To a Jewish person in Jesus' day... Many of them believed that if you died at sea and your body was never found, you were never buried, your soul wandered the earth for eternity. Now, that's not true, but that ups the ante on dying at sea, doesn't it, if you're a Jewish person? They were, they were, they were in the middle of a bad spot. Well, folks, I want to tell you this morning, there's people in our room today who are in the middle of a bad spot. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's just just your emotions, your psychological state. You are in a bad spot. The other person here today is going, ah, my life's great. This is boring already. I don't need to hear this. Trust me on this. You could get a call tomorrow that changes your life forever. Something could happen this afternoon. I hope so much that this doesn't happen. But something could happen this afternoon that alters the course of your life. In 1997, January of 97, I had just moved from one pastorate to another. And I got a phone call from my previous people, some of them saying, you need to get back down here quick. I thought maybe I'd left something in the office they didn't want. I didn't know what it was. But what the situation was, it was a young couple I'd married a year earlier. They'd had a baby. Maybe it had been a year and a half earlier. They had a, they had a baby. It was about six months old. They had taken the baby to daycare, just like been doing for three months. They get a phone call. You better get to the hospital quick. And the baby died of crib death. Never revived it. Took their baby to work like they had every day for three months. But this day when they picked the baby up, it was at the hospital. It was dead. Someone said in life, you're either coming out of a storm, you're in a storm, or you're headed for a storm. That's awful pessimistic to me. But the truth is, is that in life, storms are going to happen. And if you're blessed to live much longer, you will enter a storm. That's not even optional. Listen, it doesn't matter how much money you have or influence you have, you, you're going to face problems and storms. Okay? Now, what do we do about it? <laughs> That's the question. I mean, anybody could have got up here and told you today you're going to have storms and problems. Let me tell you some great things or some things to really get a hold of. Number one, Jesus is with you and he cares. Listen, one of the greatest things that you can share with someone else are that you can anchor yourself on when life is swirling around you is that Jesus Christ is with you and he cares 
because I want to tell you what you're going to think is, where's God and why is he letting this happen to me? That's exactly what the disciples were thinking in verse 38. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Don't you love that? Jesus was a laid-back dude, wasn't he? They didn't love it that he was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Jesus, don't you care if we drowned? Literally, that biblical word, cares. don't you have any interest? Aren't you concerned? Jesus, does it matter to you that our life is about to end and you're asleep? You see, they knew Jesus was physically with them. Their question was, is Jesus with us emotionally, attentively? Does he really care about us? And you guys, many of you are old enough, you've experienced enough, you know when you're in the middle of heartache and being crushed, one of the things you're going to wonder and you're going you're to ask yourself, where's God? Why is God letting this happen to me? Does God even care? Has God left me? When I was little, I mean probably two or three years old, I had a cousin who was in her early 20s, died of leukemia. I remember years later, my dad told me at the funeral, my uncle came up to him. And he asked my dad, he said, where is God? This girl was fixing to get married. She was a Christian. She hadn't been a hooligan. Why did God let this happen? Where is God? Folks, I want to tell you something wonderful that that we're going to see in this story, and it's so true. God's going to be with you in the storms of life. And God truly cares when you go through the storms of life. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, the last part of the verse is what I want you to see. It says, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Friend, I want to tell you, it never gets too hot in the kitchen for God. It never gets too hot in the kitchen for God. See, here's what you're going to do. Here's what I do. I don't feel God. I don't see God. I don't feel God. We associate God with a feeling. God is not a feeling. It is wonderful to feel God. It's wonderful to cry. It's wonderful to be emotional with the presence of God. But, folks, the Bible says God is with you and me whether we feel like it or not. Amen? God is with us. I want to tell you in the storms of life, God's going to be with you and God cares. Here's the next thing. God's got the power to help you. God's got the tools. God's got the bicep to help you. Look in verse 39. Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the winds died down and it was completely calm. Now, you can read that a hundred times and miss it completely. Do you realize what just happened? There is a hurricane on the lake, and Jesus says, stop, and it stops. How many of you can pull that off? Zero, none, nada. I want to tell you this morning, whatever you're facing, whatever you face, Go see your pastor. Talk to a counselor. Talk to your friends. But at some point, they are limited in how they can help you. God's not. God's not. When you face the darkest times in your life 
and you will at some point. You're facing that today. I want to tell you, God's with you, God cares, and God has the power to help you. See, what I'm trying to do is to give you some anchors to hold on to. Some anchors to hold on to when everything's blowing up all around you. And you can hold on that God's with you, He cares, and He can help you. That's a pretty good anchor to stay connected to. Okay? Here's the next thing. You're going through the storms. He's really wanting you to trust Him. You know, and throughout the Bible, you start in Genesis chapter 3 and you go all the way through Revelation. Here's what you see. God values us trusting Him. We're saved by faith by trusting God. But as a Christian, we are told to live by faith and to trust God. One thing, you say, why is God letting me go through this? Why am I going through this? Well, part of it's life. Secondly, Satan attacks. Thirdly, God may be using this to get you to trust Him. He certainly was trying to do this with these knuckleheads. In verse 40, He said to His disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? He wasn't asking if they had saving faith. If these were Christians. He was asking them, do you trust me? Proverbs 3, 5 is one of the great verses in the Bible. You need to memorize this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, here's what we do. We say, well, I'm very well educated. I'm rational. I'm a great business person. I can figure things out. I've got money. I've got power. I control things. There's going to be things in your life that you cannot control, that you cannot figure out. And God's saying, what I want you to do is to trust me. You realize this morning that God wants you to trust him and trust him more and more and more? Many of us here are Christians. We're not trusting much in God. I won't bore you a lot with the details, but about four years ago, uh, the church gave me three months sabbatical to rest and relax because I'd burned out, you know, poof, uh, kind of gone up in smoke. And one of the things that God did in my life during that time is he kind of pushed everything aside and he said, you know what, you're going to trust me. But God, I trust you, but I trust this and this and that and that. God said, no, we're going to burn everything off and push everything aside, and then you're going to have to just trust me. And it was a horrible place to be, and it was a great place to be. And I don't want to speak a hard word to you this morning, but God may allow some garbage to come into your life, whether you bring it in there or not, or whether it's just life or the devil, to get you to trust him. Because God loves his children to trust him. Great thing, he's trustworthy too. He's not going to let you down. He's trying to get you to trust him. Here's the next thing. God wants to move you closer to him in the storm. Now, certainly that applies to the trust, but it goes beyond that. In verse 40, he says, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the winds obey him. Here's what God's trying to do. You're in a storm. You're going to be in a storm. What's God trying to do? What's God trying to teach you? God's trying to get you to trust Him. God's trying to move you closer to Him. Listen, some of us in this room, we're not going to get close to God until we get, we get in a desperate situation. Don't, let, don't make that have to happen, but God will... 
push you and push you and push you. If that's what, what it takes. But here's another thing. God's always in this closeness trying to show you more of himself. How many of you think you got God figured out? Don't raise your hand. But a lot of us do. I, I've read the Bible through. I've read it through a bunch. Well, I've heard a lot of sermons. Well, I have too. We don't close to have God figured out. You know what's interesting? The Jewish people, the guys in this boat, believed properly in Jesus' day that only God controlled nature. In verse 41, they said, Who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I bet Jesus was going, Ditto! I'm trying to show you that. I am God. And you know, maybe this morning, or maybe in the next month, or maybe a year from now, when this sermon comes back to your mind, God will remind you, I'm trying to show you more of myself. I'm trying to get you to trust me, and I'm trying to draw you to me more and more. In the year 2004, Hurricane Janine hit the coast of Florida, and hurricanes are bad things. They do a lot of damage. But one interesting thing happened. The hurricane washed up a bunch of sand and sediment, and and thousands of silver coins were found from a Spanish shipwreck in 1715, 289 years earlier. Someone, I don't know who, got $40,000 of silver coins that had been hidden, and it took a terrible storm to reveal this precious treasure. Many of you in here have been through storms, and you will agree with me. You learn more about God in two months in a storm than you do ten years in a seminary or in a discipleship class. And friend, I'm all for discipleship classes. But you know the way you get to know God the best is when you're on your back, when you're pressed. Why is God putting you through the storm? What good can come out of the storm? You can grow closer to God. Know more about God through the storm. And here's the last thing I want to tell you. God's going to take care of you. Man, we need to hear that, don't we? In verse 39, it would be easy to read through this in Sunday school and miss it. He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the winds died down and it was completely calm. Can you imagine you're out on a... Uh, you're, you're out in the ocean and a hurricane's happening. And within three minutes, the wind, uh, you could throw a feather up in the air and it would fall right back down your hand. The, the, the boat was being swamped and now it's, it's like glass. And I cannot tell you this morning, honestly, I can't tell you that if you just live for God... That any time you're in a storm, he's going to miraculously deliver you through that storm. But here's what I can promise you. God's going to take care of you in the storm. Years ago, I heard a preacher say this, and it's absolutely true. He said, if we will let God in the middle of our troubles, he'll do one of two miracles. One miracle is the one we really love. That's when the person's healed. That's when the water stops. That's when the money comes in. That's when your wife starts being nice. Men, help me. Chickens. 
Everybody's asleep. It's 11.45, Wayne. And that's the miracle we love. But here's the other miracle the preacher said. Sometimes you're not healed. Sometimes things don't get better. Sometimes the finances are the health. Just everything's not solved overnight. But God allows you to live victoriously through the problem. See, God's going to do one of two things if you'll let him in the storm. He's going to pull you out of the storm or he's going to steal the storm in your heart. And the second may be the greatest miracle of all. But I promise you this, if you'll keep your hand in God's, he'll take care of you through the storm. Martin Niemöller was a pastor in a bad time in history. He was a pastor in Germany in the, in the 1930s, and he stood up against Hitler, which is dangerous. And he gets arrested, and he gets put in a concentration camp. And for several years, he lives in a concentration camp, and he sees thousands of people, thousands of people, escorted into the gas chambers and killed. He watches day after day as smoke billows out of the crematoria where, where people's bodies are being burned and starvation, terrible, terrible, terrible. But he lives through it. And years later, he was in America, and he was being, he was being interviewed on a radio station, and they asked him, Martin, how did you, how did you not go insane? How, how, did you, how did you survive that? How are you even at all emotionally healthy today? Here's what he said. He said, if Christ lives in you, if you have Christ and you hang on to Christ, you are much stronger. You can endure far much more than you ever could imagine. Niemöller said, Christ will see you through the storm. Christ will see you through the storm too. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christ follower, man, I don't know where you are, if you're in the storm, headed toward it, but lean into Christ, trust Christ, keep your hand in His hand. If you're not a Christian this morning, what you need to do today is to give your life to Jesus. Would you pray with me right where you're seated and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're the Son of God who died and who arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And today, I give you my life.